0: Book seven of The Iliad of Homer, rendered into English blank verse by Edward, Earl of Derby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Michael Armenta. Argument. The single combat of Hector and Ajax. The battle renewing with double ardour upon the return of hector, Minerva is under apprehension for the greeks. Apollo seeing her descends from Olympus joins her near the Sian gate. They agree to put off the general engagement for that day and incite hector to challenge the greeks to a single combat. Nine of the princes accepting the challenge, the lot is cast and falls upon Ajax. These heroes, after several attacks, are parted by the night. The Trojans, calling a council, Antenor proposes the delivery of Helen to the Greeks, to which Paris will not consent, but offers to restore them her riches. Priam sends a herald to make this offer, and to demand truce for burning the dead the last of which only is agreed to by Agamemnon. When the funerals are performed, the Greeks, pursuant to the advice of Nestor, erect a fortification to protect their fleet and camp, flanked with towers and defended by a ditch and palisades. Neptune testifies his jealousy at this work, but is pacified by a promise from Jupiter Both armies pass the night in feasting. But Jupiter disheartens the Trojans with thunder and other signs of his wrath. The three-and-twentieth day ends with the duel of Hector and Ajax. The next day the truce is agreed. Another is taken up in the funeral rites of the slain, and one more in building the fortification before the ships, so that somewhere above three days is employed in this book the scene lies wholly in the field thus as he spoke from out the city gates the noble hector passed and by his side his brother paris in the breast of both burnt the fierce ardour of the battlefield as when some god a favouring breeze bestows on seamen tugging at the well worn oar, faint with excess of toil, even so appeared these brethren twain to Troy's o'er laboured host, then to their prowess fell, by Paris' hand, Menestheus, royal Arythuus' son. Whom to the king in Arna, where he dwelt, the stag-eyed dame Philomedusa bore, while Hector smote with well-directed spear beneath the brass-bound headpiece through the throat Eionus, and slacked his limbs in death, and Glaucus, leader of the Lycian bands, son of Hippolochus, amid the fray. Iphinaeus, son of Dexius, borne on high by two fleet mares upon a lofty car, pierced through the shoulder. From the car he fell, prone to the earth, his limbs relaxed in death. But them when Pallas saw, amid the fray, dealing destruction on the hosts of Greece, from high Olympus to the walls of troy she came in haste apollo there she found as down he looked from ilium's topmost tower devising victory to the arms of troy beside the oak they met apollo first the son of jove the colloquy began daughter of jove from great Olympus's heights why com'st thou here by angry passion led wouldst thou the victory swaying here and there give to the greeks since pitiless thou seest the trojans slaughtered be advised by me for so twere better cause we for to-day the rage of battle and of war to cease Tomorrow morn shall see the fight renewed Until the close of Ilium's destiny. For so ye goddesses have wrought your will That this fair city should in ruin fall." To whom the blue-eyed goddess thus replied, "'So be it, archer-king, with like intent I from Olympus came. But say, what means wilt thou devise to bid the conflict cease? To whom, Apollo, royal son of Jove. The might of valiant Hector let us move, To challenge to the combat, man to man, some Grecian warrior, While the brass-clad Greeks, their champion, Urge the challenge to accept. And godlike Hector meet in single fight. He said, nor did Minerva not assent. But Hellenus, the son of Priam, Knew the secret counsel by the gods devised. And, drawing near to Hector, thus he spoke. Hector, thou son of Priam, Sage as Jove in counsel, hearken to a brother's words bid that the greeks and trojans all sit down and thou defy the boldest of the greeks with thee in single combat to contend by revelation from the eternal gods i know that here thou shalt not meet thy fate he said and hector joyed to hear his words Forth in the midst he stepped, and with his spear, grasped in the middle, stayed the Trojan ranks. With one accord they sat. On the other side Atreides bade the well-grieved Greeks sit down, while, in the likeness of two vultures, sat on the tall oak of Aegis-bearing Jove, Pallas, and Phoebus of the Silver Bow. With heroes' deeds delighted. Dense around bristled the ranks With shield and helm and spear, As when the west wind freshly blows And brings a darkening ripple O'er the ocean waves, E'en so appeared upon the plain The ranks of Greeks and Trojans. Standing in the midst Thus to both armies noble Hector spoke. Hear, all ye Trojans and ye well-grieved Greeks, The words I speak, the prompting of my soul. It hath not pleased the high-throned Saturnian Jove To ratify our truce, who both afflicts with labours hard, till either ye shall take our well-fenced city, or yourselves to us succumb beside your ocean-going ships. Here have ye all the chiefest men of Greece. Of all, let him who dares with me to fight stand forth, and God-like Hector's might confront. And this I say and call to witness Jove. If with the sharp-edged spear he vanquish me, he shall strip off, and to the hollow ships in triumph bear my armour. But my corpse restore, so that men and wives of Troy may deck with honours due my funeral pyre. But by Apollo's grace should I prevail i will his arms strip off and bear to troy and in apollo's temple hang on high but to the ships his corpse i will restore that so the long-haired greeks with solemn rites may bury him and to his memory raise by the broad hellespont a lofty tomb and men in days to come shall say who urged their full ord bark across the dark blue sea lo there a warrior's tomb of days gone by a mighty chief whom glorious hector slew thus shall they say and thus my fame shall live thus hector spoke they all in silence heard shamed to refuse but fearful to accept at length in anger menelaus rose groaning in spirit and with bitter words reproached them shame ye braggart cowards shame women of greece i cannot call you men T'were foul disgrace, indeed, and scorn on scorn, if Hector's challenge, none of all the Greeks should dare accept. To dust and water turn all ye who here in glorious heartless sit. I will myself confront him, for success the immortal gods above the issues hold. Thus, as he spoke, he donned his dazzling arms. Then, Menelaus, had thine end approached by Hector's hands, so much the stronger he. Had not the kings withheld thee and restrained? Great Agamemnon's self, wide-ruling king, seizing his hand, addressed him thus by name. What? Heaven-born Menelaus, art thou mad? Beseems thee not such folly? Curb thy wrath. Though vexed, nor think with Hector to contend, Thy better far, inspiring dread in all. From his encounter in the glorious fight, Superior far to thee Achilles shrinks. But thou Amid thy comrades' ranks retire, some other champion will the Greeks provide, and, fearless as he is, and of the fight insatiate, yet will Hector, should he scape unwounded from the deadly battle-strife, be fain, methinks, to rest his weary limbs?" he said, and with Judicious counsel swayed his brother's mind. he yielded to his words, and gladly his attendants doffed his arms. Then Nestor rose and thus addressed the Greeks, Alas, what shame is this for Greece? What grief would fill the aged Peleus' soul? Sage chief in Council of the Myrmidon's leader, approved, who often in his house would question me and loved from me to hear of all the Greeks, the race and pedigree, could he but learn how Hector cowed them all he to the gods with hands uprais'd would pray his soul might from his body be divorced and sink beneath the earth oh would to jove to pallas and apollo such were now my vigorous youth as when beside the banks of swiftly flowing Celidon, the men of pylos with the arcadian spearmen fought by Phaea's walls around ardens streams. Then from the ranks in likeness as a god advanced their champion, Erithalian bold, the arms of Ereuthyus he wore, of godlike Ereuthyus, whom men and richly girdled women had surnamed the Macebearer for not with sword or bow he went to fight but with an iron mace broke through the squadrons him lycurgus slew by stealth not bravery in a narrow way where not avail'd his iron mace from death to save him for lycurgus with his spear preventing thrust him through the midst he fell prostrate and from his breast the victor stripped his armour off the gift of brass-clad mars and in the tug of war he wore it oft but when lycurgus felt the approach of age HE TO HIS FAITHFUL FOLLOWER AND FRIEND, TO A EUTHALIAN GAVE IT. THEREWITH ARMED HE NOW TO COMBAT CHALLENGED ALL THE CHIEFS. NONE DARED EXCEPT, FOR FEAR HAD FALLEN ON ALL. THEN I, WITH dauntless SPIRIT, HIS MIGHT OPPOSED, THE YOUNGEST OF THEM ALL. WITH HIM I FOUGHT and pallas gave the victory to my arm him there i slew the tallest strongest man for many another there beside him lay would that my youth and strength were now the same then should hector of the glancing helm a willing champion find but Ye of Greece, the foremost men with Hector, fear to fight? The old man spoke reproachful. At his words uprose nine warriors. Far before the rest, the monarch Agamemnon, king of men. Next, Tydeus' son, the valiant Diomed. The two agencies clothed with courage high. Idomeneus, and of Idomeneus the faithful follower, Brave Meriones, equal in fight to blood-stained Mars. With these Eurypylus, Eumene's noble son, Tossus and Dreman's son, Ulysses last. These all with Hector offered to contend. Then thus again Gerenian Nestor spoke. Shake then the lots, on whomsoe'er it fall, Great profit shall he bring to Grecian arms, great glory to himself if he escape unwounded from the deadly battle-strife? He said. Each marked his several lot, and all together threw in Agamemnon's helm. The crowd, with hands uplifted, prayed the gods, and looking heavenward said, Grant, Father Jove, the lot on Ajax, or on Tydeus' son, Or on Mycenae's wealthy king, may fall. Thus they. Then aged Nestor shook the helm, and forth, according to their wish, Was thrown the lot of Ajax then from left to right a herald showed to all the chiefs of greece in turn the token they who knew it not disclaimed it all but when to him he came who marked and threw it in atrides helm the noble ajax and approaching placed the token in his outstretched hand forthwith he knew it and rejoiced Before his feet he threw it down upon the ground, and said, O friends, the lot is mine, great is my joy, And hope 'er o'er godlike Hector to prevail. But now, while I my warlike armor don, Pray ye to Saturn's royal son, Apart, in silence, that the Trojans hear ye not, or even aloud, for naught have we to fear. No man against my will can make me fly by greater force or skill, nor will, I hope, my inexperience in the field disgrace the teaching of my native Salamis. Thus he and they to Saturn's royal son addressed their prayers. And looking heavenward said, O father Jove, Who rulest on Ida's height, Most great, most glorious, Grant that Ajax now may gain The victory and immortal praise, For if thy love and pity hector claim, Give equal power and equal praise to both, ajax meanwhile in dazzling brass was clad and when his armour all was duly donned forward he moved as when gigantic mars leads nations forth to war whom saturn's son in life destroying conflict hath involved so moved the giant ajax prop of greece With sternly smiling mien, With haughty stride he trod the plain And poised his ponderous spear. The Greeks, rejoicing on their champion, gazed. The Trojans' limbs beneath them shook with fear, Even Hector's heart beat quicker in his breast. Yet, quail, he must not now nor back retreat Amid his comrades, he, the challenger. Ajax approached. Before him, as a tower, his mighty shield he bore Sevenfold, brass-bound, the work of Tycheus, Best artificer that wrought in leather, he and Hyla dwelt of sevenfold hides the ponderous shield was wrought of lusty bulls the eighth was glittering brass this by the son of telamon was borne before his breast to hector close he came and thus with words of haughty menace spoke hector i now shall teach thee Man to man the mettle of the chiefs we yet possess although Achilles of the lion heart mighty in battle be not with us still he by his ocean-going ships indeed against Atrides nurseth still his wrath yet there are those who dare encounter thee and not a few then now begin the fight to whom great hector of the glancing helm ajax brave leader son of telamon deal not with me as with a feeble child or woman ignorant of the ways of war of war and carnage every point i know and well i know to wield now right now left the tough bull's hide that forms my stubborn TARG. well know I too my fiery steeds to urge and raise the war-cry in the standing fight, but not in secret ambush would I watch to strike by stealth a noble foe like thee, but slay thee if I may in open fight. He said. And poising, hurl his ponderous spear the brazen covering of the shield it struck the outward fold, the eighth above the seven of tough bull's hide through six it drove its way with stubborn force, but in the seventh was stayed. then Ajax hurled in turn his ponderous spear and struck the circle true of Hector's shield. Right through the glittering shield the stout spear passed, and through the well-wrought breastplate drove its way, and underneath the linen vest it tore. But Hector, stooping, shunned the stroke of death. Withdrawing then their weapons, each on each they fell Like lions fierce or tusked boars, In strength the mightiest of the forest beasts. Then Hector fairly on the centre Struck the stubborn shield, Yet drove not through the spear, For the stout brass the blunted point repelled. But Ajax, with a forward bound, The shield of Hector pierced, Right through the weapon passed, Arrested with rude shock The warrior's course, and grazed his neck That spouted forth the blood. Yet did not Hector of the glancing helm Flinch from the contest? Stooping to the ground with his broad hand A ponderous stone he seized That lay upon the plain, dark, jagged, and huge, and hurled it against the sevenfold shield and struck full on the central boss loud rang the brass then ajax raised a weightier mass of rock and sent it whirling giving to his arm unmeasured impulse with a millstone's weight it crushed the buckler hector's knees gave way backward he staggered yet upon his shield sustained till phoebus raised him to his feet now had they hand to hand with swords engaged had not the messengers of gods and men the heralds interposed the one for troy the other umpire for the brass-clad greeks talthybius and Ideus well approved between the chiefs they held their wands and thus Ideus, both with prudent speech addressed no more brave youths no longer wage the fight to cloud-compelling jove ye both are dear both valiant spearmen that we all have seen Night is at hand, behooves us yield to night. Whom answered thus the son of Telamon? Ideas, bid that Hector speak those words. He challenged all our chiefs, let him begin. If he be willing, I shall not refuse to whom great hector of the glancing helm ajax since god hath given thee size and strength and skill and with the spear of all the greeks none is thine equal cease we for to-day the fight hereafter we may meet and heaven decide our cause and one with victory crown night is at hand behooves us yield to night so by the ships shalt thou rejoice the greeks and most of all thy comrades and thy friends and so shall i in priam's royal town rejoice the men of troy And long-robed dames who shall with grateful prayers The temples throng. But make we now an interchange of gifts That both the Trojans and the Greeks may say, On mortal quarrel did those warriors meet, Yet parted thence in friendly bonds conjoined this said a silver-studded sword he gave with scabbard and with well-cut belt complete ajax a girdle rich with crimson dye they parted ajax to the grecian camp and hector to the ranks of troy returned great was the joy when him they saw approach alive and safe escaped from ajax's might and arm invincible and toward the town they led him back beyond their hope preserved while to Atrides' tent the well-grieved greeks led ajax glorying in his triumph gained but when to Agamemnon's tents they came, The king of men to Saturn's royal son, a bullock, slew, A male of five years old. The carcass then they flayed, And cutting up, severed the joints, Then fixing on the spits, Roasted with care, and from the fire withdrew. Their labours ended, and the feast prepared, they shared the social meal, nor lacked there aught. To Ajax, then, the chine's continuous length, An honor's mead the mighty monarch gave. The rage of thirst and hunger satisfied, The aged Nestor first his mind disclosed, he. Who before the sagest counsel gave, Now thus with prudent speech began and said, Atrides, and ye other chiefs of Greece, Since many a long-haired Greek hath fallen in fight, Whose blood beside Scamander's flowing stream fierce Mars has shed, while to the viewless shades their spirits are gone, behoves thee with the morn the warfare of the Greeks to intermit. Then we, with oxen and with mules, the dead from all the plain will draw, and from the ships a little space removed, will burn with fire, that we Returning to our native land May to their children bear Our comrades' bones. Then will we go, and on the plain Erect around the pyre One common mound for all, Then quickly build before it lofty towers To screen both ships and men, And in the towers make ample portals with well-fitting gates that through the midst a carriageway may pass, and a deep trench around it dig to guard both men and chariots, lest on our defence the haughty Trojans should too hardly press." He said, and all the kings his words approved meanwhile on ilium's height at priam's gate the trojan chiefs a troubled council held which opening thus the sage antenor spoke Hear now ye trojans dardans and allies the words i speak the promptings of my soul back to the sons of atreus let us give the Argive Helen, and the goods she brought, For now in breach of plighted faith we fight. Nor can I hope, unless to my advice ye listen, That success will crown our arms. Thus having said, he sat and next arose the godlike Paris, fair-haired Helen's lord, Who thus with winged words the chiefs address Hostile to me, Antenor, is thy speech, Thy better judgment, better counsel knows, But if in earnest such is thine advice, thee of thy senses have the gods bereft now trojans hear my answer i reject the counsel nor the woman will restore but for the goods whate'er i hither brought to troy from argos i am well content to give them all and others add beside This said, he sat. And aged Priam next, a god in council, Dardan's son, arose, Who thus with prudent speech began and said, Hear now, ye Trojans, Dardan's, and allies, The words I speak, the promptings of my soul, now through the city take your wanted meal look to your watch let each man keep his guard tomorrow shall ideas to the ships of greece to both the sons of atreus bear the words of paris cause of all this war and ask besides If from the deadly strife such truce they will accord us As may serve to burn the dead, Hereafter we may fight till heaven decide And one with victory crown. He said, and they, obedient to his word, Throughout the ranks prepared, a wanted meal. But with the morning to the ships of Greece, Ideas took his way. In council there, by Agamemnon's leading ship, he found the Grecian chiefs, the ministers of Mars, and mid them all the clear-voiced herald spoke, Ye sons of Atreus, and ye chiefs of Greece, from priam and the gallant sons of troy i come to bear if ye be pleased to hear the words of paris cause of all this war the goods which hither in his hollow ships would he had perished rather paris brought he will restore and others add beside but Further says, the virgin-wedded wife of Menelaus, though the general voice of Troy should bid him, he will not restore. Then bids me ask if from the deadly strife such truce ye will accord us as may serve to burn the dead. Hereafter we may fight till heaven decide, And with one victory crown. Thus he, they all in silence heard, At length uprose the valiant Diomed, and said, Let none from Paris now propose to accept, Or goods, or Helen's self, A child may see that now the doom of Troy is close at hand. He said, The sons of Greece, with loud applause, The speech of valiant Diomed confirmed. Then to Ideas Agamemnon thus. Thou hast heard what answer give the chiefs of Greece. Their answer I approve. But for the truce, for burial of the dead, I not demur. No shame it is to grace with funeral rites The corpse of slaughtered foes. Be witness, Jove, and guard the plighted truce. HE SAID, AND HEAVENWARD RAISED HIS STAFF, AND BACK TO Ilum's WALLS IDEUS TOOK HIS WAY. TROJANS AND DARDANS THERE IN COUNCIL MET, EXPECTING, SAT, TILL FROM THE Grecian CAMP IDEUS SHOULD RETURN HE CAME, AND STOOD IN MID-ASSEMBLY, AND HIS MESSAGE GAVE. Then all in haste, their several ways dispersed, or fuel some, and some to bring the dead. The Greeks too, from their well-manned ships, went forth for fuel some, and some to bring the dead. The sun was newly glancing on the earth, from out the ocean's smoothly flowing depths, climbing the heavens. When on the plain they meet. Hard was it then to recognize the dead. But when the gory dust was washed away, Shedding hot tears, they placed them on the wains. Nor loud lament by Priam's high command was heard. In silence they, with grief suppressed, Heaped up their dead upon the funeral pyre, Then burnt with fire, and back returned to Troy. The well-grieved Greeks, they too, with grief suppressed, Heaped up their dead upon the funeral pyre, Then burnt with fire, and to the ships returned but ere twas morn while daylight strove with night about the pyre a chosen band of greeks had kept their vigil and around it raised upon the plain one common mound for all and built in front a wall with lofty towers to screen both ships and men and in the towers Made ample portals with well-fitting gates That through the midst a carriageway might pass. Then dug a trench around it, deep and wide, And in the trench a palisade they fixed. Thus laboured through the night the long-haired Greeks. The gods assembled in the courts of Jove with wonder feud the mighty work and thus neptune earth-shaking king his speech began o father jove in all the wide-spread earth shall men be found in council and design to rival us immortals seest not thou how round their ships The long-haired Greeks have built a lofty wall, And dug a trench around, Nor to the gods have paid their offerings due. Wide as the light extends Shall be the fame of this great work, And men shall lightly deem Of that which I and Phoebus jointly raised With toil and pain for great Laomedon, to whom, in wrath, the cloud compeller thus Neptune, earth-shaking king, what words are these this bold design to others of the gods of feebler hands and power less great than thine might cause alarm but far as light extends of this great work to thee shall be the fame. When with their ships the long-haired Greeks shall take their homeward voyage to their native land, this wall shall by the waves be broken through and sink a shapeless ruin in the sea. O'er the wide shore again thy sands shall spread, And all the boasted work of Greece o'erwhelm. Amid themselves such converse held the gods. The sun was set, the Grecian work was done. They slew and shared by tents the evening meal. From Lemnos Isle, a numerous fleet had come, freighted with wine, and by Euneus sent, whom fair Hypsipyle to Jason born. For Atreus' sons, apart from all the rest, of wine the son of Jason had dispatched a thousand measures. All the other Greeks hastened to purchase. Some with brass, and some with gleaming iron, Other some with hides, cattle or slaves, And joyous waxed the feast. All night the long-haired Greeks their revels held, And so in Troy the Trojans and allies. But through the night is anger Jove expressed. With awful thunderings. Pale they turned with fear. To earth the wine was from the goblet's shed, Nor dared they drink until libation's dew Had first been poured to Saturn's mighty son. Then lay they down and sought the boon of sleep. End of book seven.